available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Liner, gonna try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods. Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. That's the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together, we make the podcast of champions talking all things Pac-12 football. David, anyone listening to us at like double speed is like, wait, did I put it on double speed? We all both just went slow. Yeah, uh, during the intro, I just followed your lead. I don't know. You yeah, always try no, to screw you, me up. You do it so well. You match me so well. <laughs> you are. Uh, I feel like there's a closer connection today for some reason. You know. You, oh, we have like some, maybe maybe we're just closer together in some way. In some the internet signals the, the the electrons don't seem to be traveling quite quite as far. And maybe before we even talk about how you can get a hold of us, we have some. Uh, Breaking news that maybe you want to share, Mr. Woods. I I I I live in the great state of California again. Woohoo! The perfect time to move here, dude. I know. Why <laughs> wouldn't you want to move in the middle of a pandemic? Um, <laughs> like that seems. I think everyone should move. In fact, if you're listening to this right now and you're not considering a cross country move in the next couple of weeks, I think you're doing life wrong. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I. Uh, Drove uh, 36 hours with two children in the back of the car, um, and now I'm here again. Wow. Well, welcome back to mm-hmm. uh, to California. I wish I had a song or something uh, queued up, uh, going back to Cali, whatever, anything. But uh, we we welcome you back, and now we don't have to worry about time zones. We don't have to no. worry about that stuff. No, now there's fewer excuses when I just decide that I'm going to go AWOL. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's great to have you back. I'm sorry. You know, that's it's very David Woods of you to like move across country in the middle of a pandemic. Like that just seems very like what could David give, give him something more to complain about? Like, oh, I'm going to move when else could while I have the it? world is going. To, yeah, there's to no hell. way I could have done it at any other time. No, this is perfect. <laughs> this is exactly what exactly what we wanted to have happen. So on brand. All right. Well, uh, now that we're both on the West Coast again, I think this makes the, the podcast that much stronger. And if you want to contribute, if you want to give us a topic that you would like us to talk about, because I don't know if we're going to be talking about football anytime soon, Pac-12 podcast at gmail.com is the email address. If you could call or text us, 424-532-0678 or tweet us at Pac-12 podcast. The website is Pac-12 podcast.com where you can find all the old episodes reddit a podcast of champions look that up we uh, got the little reddit page going and then anyone with apple products subscribe and rate us uh, on your apple podcasting app five stars we love that say anything you want about the show in the comments uh you know give us a review that says man they're terrible two worst people on the planet as long as it comes with the five stars that's what we love dave that's all we need that's all we need from you the people um we've got a few more you want to listen to them oh yeah yeah that'd be great uh, this is from Grumpy Oso, Grumpy Bear. Uh, it's a five-star review, which we love. Uh, excellent job. 
excellent analysis of the conference and of the poor job that champion Larry Scott has done for the conference. I nominate Ryan as the new Pac-12 commissioner. David, to defend President Reagan, he brought housing interest rates down from double digits to single, helped brought helped bring down the Soviet Union, he helped bring down the Berlin Wall. Reaganomics helped this country come back from disasters. He helped bring down he helped bring down gas prices and uh I'm assuming just alleviated the shortage. We're missing some words here, Grumpyosa. It's no big deal. Um I can fill them in, but uh, you weren't born, but we went through a period when you got gas by the number if your license plate every other day. By the number on your license? I don't know. No, so it would be like if you're – I remember these days because it was in the 70s and uh, you know I was a kid. But like you couldn't – if your license plate number ended in a 5, you couldn't get gas you know, on Tuesday, Thursday, uh, Saturday. It's some, like stuff like that. Like it, it, there was long lines. Uh, I remember like my so parents. So going back to the 70s, we should have been heavily researching alternative fuels is what you're really telling me. It really, right it was bad. And interest rates for homes, I just remember like my parents, like we moved from Western Pennsylvania right around when Reagan took over to Massachusetts. And uh, I mean, interest rates on homes were like 18%. Or something. Like oh my re- God. I can't, I can't imagine buying a home. What You can't imagine buying a home? You're talking about that like that's a tragedy. Okay, interest rates are great now. Nobody can afford houses. True. Um, right. So, yeah, sure. Anyway, he didn't finish. He strengthens the military. A lot of this was in present tense. I think Grumpy Oso is still living in the Reagan era. Nice. Do you think maybe he's still be. operating in 1985? <laughs> we all should. The, one, the thing that stood out to me the most was definitely the uh, the, the the hostages you know, the, the Iranian hostages. And it just seemed like, you know, Jimmy Carter wasn't going to really do anything. And they knew Reagan would, would do something. So as soon as he took over, they, you know, they let him go. Um, that was the one make that, that I think that like started things off. Like if you want to get things start off on a, on a high note, you know, freeing those hostages was, a, yeah. was a big deal. Yeah, you know? totally. Totally. I would expect a Hollywood actor to be pretty good at PR. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, there were a couple of good things he did. Um, I just, when I'm weighing the two things, like in both hands, I've got, okay, the couple of good things he did. And then the other hand ruining the country. And it's just, <laughs> you know, sacrilege. Like David. I'm sitting here I'm and not, I'm weighing I'm not my put hands. Up with this today. We are on the yeah. West coast now. <laughs> the home, the great, the great home. You uh, moved to a blue state and now you're all like, you know, come well, on. This was, this was Reagan's uh, government gubernatorial spot. All right. Uh, next up, we've got sorcerer Mickey six, two, six. Five stars. Master of college football podcasters. The podcast of champions is but a mere showcase to highlight one of the most brilliant persons on air, David Woods. Wow. What the? Big praise here. Yes. Uh, Don't let the backwoods Grizzly Adams look fool you. His mind rivals such erudite authors as Ron Chernow and David McCullough. His scholarly, insightful, and knowledgeable take on everything from Disney princesses to Civil War generals is nothing short of astounding. I appreciate Brian doing everything he can to support David. Every king needs a groom of the stool to ensure he's not bothered with unpleasant tasks. I especially enjoy listening to this show during my night me- my, my nightly meal. Here's here's where the shoe drops. My <laughs> nightly meal of crayons and Play-Doh. Though I wish I could take some time to write more great things, I'm very busy volunteering my services to the Flat Earth Society. Keep up the great work. The Pac-12 deserves a podcast like yours. So he really kind of rope-a-doped me there, right? Oh, my God. Yeah, high praise, good. high praise, high praise. 
the persona of um, obviously a simpleton. He's like, so, yeah, I'm a single digit IQ mouth breather. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. I like it. I like it. That was well done. Um, <laughs> all right. This is from Ricky Holton. Five stars. I think I now know what Greg, Greg Biggins feels like. This is a wonderful podcast full of great promise. Some flashes of brilliance. I'm thinking critique of Savor General. So when my wife asks what I'm listening to, I don't have to say yet another sports podcast. And plenty of highlights. It's a real gym rat, coach's kid, sneaky athletic podcast. At the end of the day, though, the podcast parents, Ryan and Dave, are always begging for that fifth star for their kid. Hitting up Twitter, Reddit, and all the places they can to get that fifth star. When new reviews come out, they bemoan the non-five-star reviews and beg for stars like they matter. Unlike Biggins, I'm going to cave to pressure and give them a fifth star in hopes that they will keep making this wonderful four-star podcast. <laughs> that That's great, too. Like, just tell, like, give us five stars, but tell us, really, you're a three-and-a-half-star podcast. Yeah, no, but... no, five stars in the, look, five stars in the masthead, and then subject line, really, it's a two-star. I don't care. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> uh, just as long as it's a five-star rating. Yeah. Um. Awesome. Those are, again, I just am so impressed with the the people that rate us and we appreciate so much. It does help grow the show, even though there's not a lot of football growing right now. And, and, you know, things get from, you know, could they get worse, David? We have some more uh, breaking news. Apparently uh, Twitter was hacked or the, so verified accounts like Twitter has like stopped letting you reply uh, I just tried to reply to somebody on Twitter. If you're a verified account, you get the blue check mark. It says it's suspicious activity. I guess a lot of the high profile accounts were tweeting out like Bitcoin links and stuff. So somehow they hacked Twitter. Is that is that pretty crazy? That's pretty wild. That's pretty wild. You see, I have avoided this problem by not being verified. Ah, uh, yes, I know. And uh, Keely, you and Shotgun who write for me. They're like, it's our time to shine. Yeah, no, um, I think they're back now. I think as the people are. Uh, people are tweeting again but uh yeah i don't know i i funny i tweeted like on my way in here i got my uh covid19 test uh, like i said i'm not the only symptoms i just take tests whenever once in a while when i can uh because i deliver the meals on wheel stuff i just want to make sure you're safe for the 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 old folks that you deliver to right uh not that you get in contact with them but i i took a test on tuesday and today's wednesday within like 26 hours i got the results of negative um, unfortunately my antibody test from giving blood is negative too, but I'm, I'm all negative. So that's good. At least unless I got it in the last 24 hours or so. Uh, but I tweeted that out and then now people are asking me questions that I couldn't answer because, uh, they wouldn't let you tweet. They're saying suspicious activity. Well, you are nothing besides a suspicious actor. So I think that's right. <laughs> very, I am definitely very, uh, suspicious, but dude, we, we can hang out on your West coast. You know what? Well, I guess when the pandemic goes away you can come into the office we yeah, can record shows I, I think i think like a year and a half from now we should be good to go right oh jeez don't do that to me dave come on <laughs> i feel like now i got to pay for the fact that somehow i got you convinced that there was probably going to be a college football season now you're just back full on like oh god yeah, I am, football I am, in the next I decade am, ain't going to happen fully, whole decade's gone i'm fully blackpilled on this I, 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 so i read that famil so uh, uh we should probably actually talk about things instead of just conversing um pete thamel did an article uh i don't know if you read it the yahoo sports one where it was basically like yeah there's no way there's a football season this year yeah um and one of the quotes in it was like wow that's my spirit animal was an athletic director who said it's more likely that we're in the exact same position next year heading into the fall football season than we have a fall football season this year 
In other words, it's more likely that the next season is also going to be just like not going to happen than that we'll have a season this year. Yikes. And I thought that was, that was like, that was a level to which I'm not even willing to descend. So I really appreciated that. The, um, so I had listened, well, I read his column. He wrote a column, I think it was late April that like, Hey, we should, uh, why just delay it? till the spring and then we'll get all the schedule set up. We'll get the TV contracts, just, you know, cut bait right now and, and move on. And like nobody, I think we mentioned this on the show a couple of times. That was like a lead balloon. Nobody cared about that. And I listened to their podcast earlier today and, uh, he had brought that up and he was, you know, so Dammel's on with like Dan Wolkin and say like, you know, I brought this up then. And you guys were like, that guy's an idiot. Like you should never do that. And like, now he's like, well, you know, eventually if you say a bunch of things, you're going to be right. But I think he was right. I think that would have been a, a wise move then. I, you know, people are still going to try to do things this fall. Uh, I'm still holding out hope that we're going to get some kind of uh, football this fall being you know, conference only, which we'll talk about in a second. I think that's going to help. But uh, yeah, his that that's not that's kind of sobering. We're saying that, you know, you could be in the exact same position next year. Nobody wants to hear that. Well, yeah, and I mean, it's it's also like specific. Honestly, if we were experiencing the reverse of what happened in the um, spring, and it was devastating in the Northeast um, and pretty light everywhere else, I would be a little bit more optimistic about a football season happening, just because most of the football is being played in the South and you know throughout the warmer weather states and you know upper Midwest. Um, but it's the reverse. You've got California, Florida, Texas, Arizona, Georgia, all kind of spiking right now. Um, a lot of football played in those states. A lot of, a lot of football. And by which I mean, a lot of football is not going to be played in those states yeah. this fall. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I get holding out a little bit of hope. Um, it just seems so unlikely at this point and the way they're making the decisions. And so this is, uh, another news item. We'll just, you know, we'll kind of back our way into these news items. Real that? news items. Sounds great. Yeah. Um, the Pac-12 announced that they're going conference only um, at the end of last week. Was it the end what? of last week? What? Yeah. Were they the um, first conference to do that? They, they were the trendsetters, correct? It's like they were they're out in no, front of that? No, no. Oh. We, we thought they might be. If you remember our show, <laughs> we were like, maybe, you know, maybe they'll be able to get out in front of this one because they'll be able to act independently. Nope, 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 nope. Uh, they followed the Big Ten, uh, I think, the next day or two days later, whatever it was. Yeah, it was um, like they did it on Friday. Were, real quick, were you shocked that the Big Ten did it? Because I really kind of felt that all the commissioners were going to be talking and maybe the Pac-12 would do it because of, like, necessity, because of, the you know, California, Arizona and stuff. The fact that the Big Ten just went out and did it, I was a little shocked by that. It, I, I think it was always going to be one of the two, the Big Ten or the Pac-12. Um, these are the schools that... Um, by and large, you've got more like of these like academic institutions in those two. Um, not to, you know, hammer that uh, nail too hard, but you've got more of the uh, broader mission schools, I should say. Um, and they're going to make decisions that don't necessarily reflect just dollars and cents of football. Um, so I think it was going to be one of the two. I would have thought the Pac-12 would have done it, but then we have to remember that uh, the leadership of the Pac-12 has been basically absent forever. Um, so in retrospect, it makes total sense. But yeah, I was a little bit surprised in the moment because I thought the Pac-12 actually would be able to because it just it made more sense logistically for them to do that in the first place. There's a lot more travel to come to the Pac-12 um, non-conference games than, you know, kind of the stuff going on throughout the other half of the country. 
Um, but yeah, so uh, anyway, Pac-12 and Big Ten have both announced. Uh, nobody else has announced yet. Um, it seems like a foregone conclusion that everyone is going to be at some level um, announcing that very soon. For me, the way I'm looking at it is this is just an opportunity for all these conferences to kick the can down the road a little bit. Um, they can put off making a decision about canceling the season if they eliminate non-conference play. Um, there's been rationale that they're doing it because of like testing protocols and all that stuff, and I think that's fair and fine. But I think the main reason to do this is to not have to make a decision right now, because if you made a decision right now, the only decision is to cancel and postpone until spring or cancel entirely. Yeah. I mean, you're, we're, you're delaying the inevitable most likely, but to me, and I think we might've talked about this in earlier, show, I've talked about this before without that leadership, you need some kind of flexibility. You need to be able to, uh, make decisions on the fly and come through and, and do things that you normally wouldn't do. Um, I, to me, Dave, I don't know if you, if you agree or not, college football can be one of the more inflexible sports we have. Uh, you're booking these games 10 years in advance. There's just no, there's just not a lot of wiggle room. And this might be the year where you got the ultimate amount of wiggle room. I did a Pac-12 radio show earlier this week and talked about that where, okay, Larry Scott's not the strongest leader, but at least you have, you have clear leadership there and you have control over these 12, you know, campuses. They're spread off, you know, against all the states that have different local governments that are going to be interacting. You know, USC and UCLA are dealing with the county of Los Angeles. Uh, you know, both Cal and Stanford, uh, you know, uh, you're dealing with the state of California, the Arizona schools, what Oregon's doing. I mean, everyone like you have these different local governments that have different decrees and different rules and they're changing all the time and things get closed. Uh, USC was starting their phase three of workouts on Monday, the day. Gavin Newsom decided to close gyms again. And for what we were told that, you know, that meant USC, they didn't get a, any kind of, uh, there wasn't any transparency from the, the, the California government to tell USC, Hey, you can't go back to working out. So they went on their own and said, well, we'll start working out outside just to, you know, make sure we're compliant. They're not really sure what they're supposed to do. So having, you know, 130 programs trying to do all the same thing is I think it would be difficult. At least it's easier to control on the conference level, not that it's easy, but it's easier. And the flexibility is what like has me mystified. I mean, I'm just excited for the flexibility because what if, uh, you know, Oregon and Arizona state were supposed to play and Arizona state had a whole bunch of positives and they, well, we're going to move Oregon's game with Cal up two weeks and Arizona state was, we'll have them on a buy and then they can play next week. Like, you could move games around like just like nobody's business just to do it. And maybe, you know, oh, we're going to have Oregon and Oregon state play twice this year because, you know, Arizona state just out for this game and Oregon state lost the game because, uh, uh Colorado at that, you know, they're not gonna be able to make that one up. Let's let Oregon, Oregon state play twice stuff. I mean, you might have some fun things going on, flexible stuff that you never would have in college football. Cause it's so inflexible most of the time. I mean, that's a beautiful dream. Uh, Ryan, <laughs> I, I, dream. Apl I, I applaud it. Um, I think uh, obviously there's a few inherent issues with that. I think the schools will balk at like that kind of, you know, not knowing whether the players are going to play in a particular week, all that kind of stuff. They have to move up a particular game. The coaches might balk at that. Like, I don't want to prep for a game in you know, two days time for a different offense or whatever. Uh, but all that's kind of, uh, you could figure all of that out. I just think 
more than likely what we're going to see. I mean, if you're following the news with California, just the state generally, um, public schools at the pre-K through 12 level are starting online. Um, If the universities, most of them have said, I think, that they're going to start mostly online. But I would have to think that if all of the lower grades are doing it, um, to whatever extent there is risk, it does grow as you get older. If the lower schools are doing that, then there's, I, I think, no way that UCLA or USC or any of these schools are going to be offering anything other than online education to start out the year. Um, like, I think that's going to be the entirety of it. And if that's the case, I don't think they can justify doing football. It goes back to the same problems with having kind of special circumstances for the athletes. Um, you're exposing them to more risk than you're exposing regular students to at that point. Um even beyond just the sports playing, like your practices, being on campus, doing all this stuff that normal students wouldn't necessarily have uh, to deal with. So I think you're getting back to what we were identifying as one of the main logistical issues back in April and May when we first started talking about the potential for a fall football season. Um, I think that's now where we're back to again, because California is moving more towards, you know, it sounds like L.A. County within a few days is probably going to go back to some sort of stay at home. Um, you know, Garcetti's been making noise about that for a couple of days and it doesn't appear that LA's issues are getting a whole lot better. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's unlikely that California is going to be in really good shape to have much of a season, um, which means that the schools in California are going to have trouble. And I think the other Western states are probably going to follow California's lead a little bit there. I don't know what the hell Arizona's doing, just generally speaking in life. Um, but I would have to think Oregon and Washington will follow California's lead to a large extent there. Yeah. Um, well, we'll see. Uh, we, you know, uh, the SEC postponed like some of the Olympic sports um, until the end of the month. They're not going to make a decision on football until they absolutely have to. And the one thing, David, that I know you know, the negativity you have, but they're the, if you're pulling for, I'm I'm a positive guy, I'm a really positive guy. (laughs) I'm just, I'm positive. There isn't going to be a fall football season. Right. Very positive about that. But knowing how important football is to every athletic department there. And for all the other sports that say, well, football gets too much of this, too much of that. They're going to fight like hell to try to have a football season because otherwise you're going to lose sports. You're going to lose members of your athletic departments. You're going, there's, there's going to be major losses uh, across the board. And I, if there's any way possible that they can safely uh, do this uh, and have a football season, I think they will. So that's the one thing that they're going to try to find a way, you know, the, the sec obviously is going to tooth and nail, try to make that happen. I think going to the conference only, if everyone ends up doing that will be uh, I think that'll be helpful. You can control that a little bit more and the flexibility, like we talked about, but it's certainly, you know, it doesn't, it's not trending in a, in a good direction, but knowing how important it is, uh, maybe we see that maybe it's some sort of, they start it and it stops and you try to finish it off in the spring. I, I don't know. I'm not sure. So that's, that's the work. part that makes me think that they're going to before too much longer, just pivot to the idea of we're definitely going to have a spring season. Um, because I don't think, I, I think if they play a couple of games in like September and then they try to restart the whole thing in February or whatever, there's just, I mean, there's, 
just issues with that. And I, I think um, they're going to have to start getting uh, real stuff going with the NFL. If there's any chance of having a spring season, it has to coincide somewhat with whatever the NFL does from a draft and combine and senior bowl and all that kind of stuff standpoint. So they would have to get some sort of agreement from the NFL to delay that stuff. Because what is the likelihood you're getting a full conference season done this fall? Maybe you get a game or two, right? But you're not getting a full conference season. Like, does yeah. anybody think you're getting nine games this yeah, fall? Yeah, I think you could do 10. Come on. You could do, you know. It, but, like, realistically, is that going to happen? In the Pac-12, maybe other – I'm, I'm speaking definitively because I don't think anybody's going to be playing. But maybe some other league figures out a way. But in the Pac-12, there's no way that each team's playing nine conference games. Just oh, okay. zero here's, chance. Here's a little – this is just a side. Since I cover USC and this is what I hear all the time, um, if you're going to do a conference-only schedule, it probably makes sense to have an even number of games, right? So you have even number of home, even number of road. Right now, because the Pac-12 does nine games, um, like the Big Ten and like the Big 12, you have one year, four home, five away, and one year, five home, four away. USC's already lost its two most prominent games, you could argue, Alabama and Notre Dame. Uh, they play five road games this year. So what if they said, we're going to play eight conference games instead, and we're going to drop USC-Oregon. So USC, so USC ends up, like all the, the USC fans that want Clay Helton to get fired, they miss Alabama, they miss Notre Dame, and then would miss Oregon. Like, how funny would that be? That would be tremendous. Um, I <laughs> if think you're, it, if you're a fan of the other 11 schools that want Clay Helton to stick around, then that would probably work out the best because they, they might go undefeated. Who knows? I mean, even with that schedule, you have to think, I mean, with the talent disadvantage for USC, there's still going to be a few losses. <laughs> uh, exactly. Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, there, the number, whatever, it's not going to be a full season. Um, and I think the more likely scenario is that you somehow get through to whatever February um, maybe there's been some real great advancements with vaccines and you're in much better shape come February to actually have a football season. Um, yeah. and if you can guarantee that, or if you feel better about getting nine games in February and March, um, and into April, than you did about, um, whatever the couple mu- games you might get before flu season and this thing comes roaring back beyond what it already is doing. Um, I don't know. I think it behooves you to plan for that um, and start building all of your planning around that Um, because just you've got to be realistic at this point. I think a lot of their planning has been based and this is another point in the Thamel thing and something we had echoed before, but a lot of the planning has been more just hoping Um, and that's been kind of the mode for that was why we got suddenly so hopeful in June is because all of these athletic directors were talking like, oh, yeah, we're doing this no matter what. The conference officials were like, we're doing this no matter what. Um, but the reality is, has played out differently and and quickly that has completely turned. And so it becomes clear that that was just hope as a strategy. And the fact that all of these schools are having to basically stop their voluntary workouts because it turns out their testing plans sucked or whatever the procedures were sucked. Um, all of this, just the logistical framework seems like it's already falling apart and we're not even into legitimate fall camp yet. Um yeah. So I think looking at all of that, football has to think, okay, what's the scenario where we are playing um, a nine-game season or a 10-game season or even getting seven or eight? Uh, It's a scenario where this virus has been knocked down a little bit. 
because they've tried it now to even just do the voluntary stuff where not even everyone is on campus or in these workouts and they've kind of fallen on their face. Um, imagining doing that with a program of 100 plus guys, plus all the coaches and trainers and all that kind of stuff. I think that issue becomes even more insurmountable. So it has to be a scenario where this virus is knocked down uh, even below the level it was knocked down to in you know May and June. And that's going to require, you know, uh, some of the same mass tactics as before, but also more than likely it's going to require a vaccine. And you're much more likely to have a vaccine ready and available in February than you are to start this football season. Yeah. There was some good news on the vaccine front. There was. Yeah. And there's some. Yeah, there's some. I mean, that's the one thing where I don't think you're going to be in the exact same position. Um, You know, at at some point, if we keep going like this, a lot of people are just going to get the virus and then you you might move on from it. Just so many people get it over the next year. But there's going to be some medical advancements, either in treatments, vaccines. Uh, I mean, they've already, you know, I think you're seeing with hospitalizations, they're going that the length of time is going down, the death rates going down because they they understand it a little bit better. Not that it's good when people get it or whatever, but they're they, they're handling it better. Um, you're not seeing people sending sick people back into uh, nursing homes, <laughs> getting a whole bunch more people sick. So, I mean, there's some positive things that will be happening, even if we as a society don't take it as seriously as we should or don't, uh, you know, act that way. Yeah. The, the big thing is, um, no matter, uh, no matter what, until you have a vaccine or some sort of actual like antibody treatment or something, I don't know the scientific words, but I'm just kind of rejiggering what's been, um, what I've been reading until you have something like legitimate, like a drug that's going to fix it. That's actually cheap and available. Uh, but I know that Gilead drug, the Remdesivir or whatever it is, uh, that's great, but it costs like $3,000 a pop. Um, so that can't be a solution for a lot of people um, or a vaccine that's ready and available and effective and all that kind of stuff. Until you get that, it's going to be marginal stuff. Um, so right now, a big part of the reason the death rate is falling is because younger people have generally been the ones getting it. Um, it's starting to trend a little bit more into the older crowd. The age is starting to go up a little bit more. But the group of people who got it over the last month were, by and large, way younger than the people who were getting it in April and May. Um, and a big part of that was also the nursing home fiascos, um, especially in New York and, and throughout. But um it's also just younger people. Younger people are going to respond to this stuff better. They're not going to die at the highest rate. Um, but the thing with any kind of disease like this is it's eventually going to kind of get out to all populations. So the death rate being lower right now is obviously good and great. And it does signal probably some improvements in treatment as well. But I wouldn't count on it as like a indefinite drop. Like it's going to continue to decline at the at a steady rate because it might suddenly, okay, we've got a bunch of outbreaks in nursing homes again, and it creeps back up because suddenly a bunch of 75, you know, year olds plus are getting it again. Yeah. Um, and that's, I mean, it's a huge population. I mean, it's, I think it's something I was reading like 23 million 75 plus year old people in the United States and it's killing them at, it's like a 6% clip, I think. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's still a very serious thing, and I think the reality is until there is a vaccine or a very robust treatment, you're going to still have uh, this ongoing outbreak unless there are measures taken. And it looks yeah. like there's going to be measures taken. I mean, public schools, public school districts being closed, you know, even Texas mandating masks now. Um, th- these things are starting to happen probably a little bit too slowly to save football season in the fall. 
Um, but you know, maybe there's a chance that with all these measures, with some improved treatments, even without a vaccine, we're looking at a better situation in February. I, I, I what I'm saying is I think that's a better chance than them actually playing multiple games this fall. Yeah. Well, there's some real. There was a piece of good news in there for our conference of uh, what all of what David said. Uh, what was it? A three thousand dollar treatment that's effective? Yeah, the Gilead um, Remdesivir thing. Okay. Well, so you know, if you're sick and you're, you know, the truth is, we all know Champagne Larry likes to roll large, right? <laughs> you want to roll large? Three grand for treatment—that's no big deal. Our our beloved Larry Scott got the COVID. He got the Rona, dude. Like, how did Larry Scott get a coronavirus? I, this, the thing is like public figures, you got to do a little bit of glad handing, even if you're not doing a whole lot, I guess. I don't know. Get it the way anybody else gets it. Yeah. Well, at least you can spend, you know, three grand on the treatment. I get, get like three of them. Like Larry, like writes a $9,000 check. Give me three of those. I'm just going to like get over this. So we, you know, we wish we, we uh, joke about Larry Scott a lot. Obviously, Hopefully he's hey, Larry Scott's healthy. 50. He's 55. You know, that's getting into territory where it's not a uh, not a not a complete joke. Not a walk in the park. Yeah. Well, yeah. We, we wish him the best. It's speed of recovery. It seems like he's still working from home. The last I heard, I haven't seen anything in the last couple of days. But that was part of the Friday news dump where out of conference games, Larry Scott gets the Rona. And then uh, there was also a Pac-12 revenue report, which, you know, you didn't expect to be good, but it was it was it was bad, too. Yeah, it was not good. Um, yeah, we wish Larry Scott the best. Um, it's obviously a serious illness um, and potentially could be serious for him. So we hope uh, nothing but good things for him. Um, but yeah, a real Friday news dump. Um, and that yeah. one, the the Scott news came at like, now my time zones were all screwed up because I was in the <laughs> middle of driving out here. But I want to say it was like 7 p.m. Yeah. Something like that. It was late. Um, but it was like full Friday news dump. Um so I, I don't know if that'll affect decision making in the conference, um, but I think for some people, when it hits closer to home, suddenly their tune changes a little bit. Um, now, I think Scott had been kind of a proponent of recently of kind of delaying things a little bit anyway. Um, but I wonder if this makes it maybe more aggressive when they finally announce that they're not going to do a fall season. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, we got that. Uh, there was the three that. The three strikes for the Pac-12 uh, last Friday, so we wanted to talk about that a little bit. And I just need a pet peeve before we get into the questions, unless you have anything else, Dave. Um, this is not a fun time of year right now because of the uh, the coronavirus stuff, but but we are getting some football kind of newsy stuff. The watch list people are seeing all the different awards. They're sending out their watch list for the should players. I just mute, should I just mute my mic for this period? Because you got to go on a rant, right? No, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to go much of a rant. I just started getting out. Like, <laughs> I hate them. I, I just, just hate the watch list. They're terrible. And they're making me more mad now that, you know, knowing in the back of my mind, we're probably not going to have college football. I hate seeing these watch lists coming out even more. It's like, oh, shut up. Like, stop. No, don't. No, no. This is the worst part of college football. And this is what I'm getting. Instead, No, I, I, I hate it. Yeah. No. Like, oh, you know, if you're I, I'm an Oregon State fan and you you this is, you know, your your left guard is on this watch list and you're looking at it like is every left guard in the country on this watch I, list? So and this yeah. is this is where like I have to like fight my own impulses because I'm I've got a tendency. You may know this on the show, you listeners may know this to like kind of um sprinkle a little poop on everyone's parade sometimes. Um 
And so when I'm reading like all these people posting about, oh, JT Daniels is going to be immediately eligible at Georgia um, or wow, Oregon might add Utah to its early schedule in September um, or any of this stuff. I'm like, none of that's going to happen, guys. JT Daniels is immediately eligible to sit on a bench with everyone else because no one's playing football this fall. Like, what are you what are you talking about? And it's just all this stuff where it's just like this news that's like this is not. And look, I want people to keep coming back to our websites and reading all this news for sure. Uh, but it's just it's it's like this disconnect from the actual reality of the moment. Um, and I get it. It's kind of fantasy land. Sports are kind of fantasy land generally. But I'm just like. None of this is happening. Why is there a watch list? This doesn't matter. <laughs> None of this is happening. There's certain things you could suspend. I think suspend the watch list. <laughs> like, suspend the watch list. Yeah, yeah, totally. But just, I mean, the NCAA, like, announcing somebody's going to be immediately eligible, everyone's immediately eligible. They're immediately eligible to do what everyone else is doing, which is nothing. And then the season will come, and it'll be a whole new academic year, and then they're going to be eligible. It's just, this is this is irrelevant. Yeah, that's so JT Daniels, USC's former quarterback, uh, was transferring, he's transferred to Georgia and he got immediate eligibility. And they actually talked about this on the Yahoo Sports podcast. Um, I think Pete Thamel's point was if you're trying to be nice as a head coach, what you say when a player transfers out is we forced him out. And when then, according to Pete, when, when coaches say that, that tells the NCAA, well, he was forced out, so we're going to make him immediately eligible. So Pete Thamel was saying he wants to keep that Clay Helton would want to keep that pipeline from modern day going. So he would say, yeah, we forced JT out and then JT gets uh, immediate eligibility and then he's thankful. And then the school is not going to be mad at Clay Helton and they'll still get their quarterbacks and stuff. So I don't, I don't know if you, you buy that theory, but that's kind of an interesting one where uh, coaches that want guys to be immediately eligible, like the kid from Washington, um, they said that like Chris Peterson was like, adamant about like and they they he wasn't granted eligibility when he transferred to ucla yeah Colson um, yankoff yeah, yeah Peter, Goff, peterson yeah. was a big jerk about it um yeah i mean i i think all players should be immediately eligible so that's my stance on it so the the coaches who do bend over backwards to kind of help guys get eligible um i i respect that deeply i know in basketball john calipari is really good about it when guys transfer out of kentucky he's he goes to bat for them to try to get them eligible at their new school um, so yeah, that's, that's cool. If that's the way it works in football, you just kind of tell them that you forced them out. Um, and if that's what happened with JT, then good on Clay Helton. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, do you have anything else? I've got nothing else. I don't want to talk about any more coronavirus. Oh, could no somebody, more. could somebody, uh, we got smart people listen to this show, right? Uh, could one of you smart, smarter could than one us. Of you just design a vaccine and mass produce it in the next couple of days? <laughs> I'll take it sight unseen. It's fine. That, that'd be fine. You don't need to study it. Whatever. Yeah. Just, if just I grow a third it. arm, I grow a third arm. No big deal. <laughs> All right. Well, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and answer questions. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle podcast. No, we're not. We're back here on the podcast of champions. See, I have I I don't know if I screwed that one up before, Dave. I don't know if I have. You've definitely screwed it up before, but you've caught yourself every time. Yeah. Or uh, or you've screwed it up, and I've been going through my period my my periodic lulls of paying attention, um, <laughs> where I didn't notice. So either way, we're good. We are. Yeah. If, you know, and you used to do that sometimes. You'll say something about the broadcast because you you know you get in these little rhythms where you do things like, oh, I hear that sound. This is what I say when I come out of that sound. Like you give me credit for the top of the show. It's just sort of like, it's just what you say, you know, like it's bad. You know, you could go into my Google doc and change one of the numbers, like on the telephone number. And I probably would still say it the old way. Like I'm looking at it, but you just kind of know what to say. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. You just, you sure. get on like cruise control. I cannot often autopilot speech. Like I do it when I'm driving, obviously. And like those moments where it's just like, it's a cut scene. And then suddenly you're back conscious again. Um, but I, I can't do it talking. Like if I go on autopilot, I don't make any sense. And yeah, I can hear you all out there. You don't make any sense anytime, but if I go on autopilot, I really don't make any sense. And then I'll catch myself mid sentence and I'll be like, I, I don't know what I'm saying. And then I'll finish it with just a couple of weird words and then we're done. Um, but no, I need to be fully present when I'm speaking. Otherwise I am gonzo. Gonzo. Just like we I, I had to learn when, you know, you, you got me on the books on tape thing. I had to learn to like, just be fully present. Cause you're used to listening to things and doing other stuff, but you're, you're essentially reading a book. So you shouldn't be tweeting or whatever, you know, during that time. Um, so I kind of learned that, but yeah, you gotta, you gotta be like fully engaged. Uh, like we are for this show constantly fully engaged because we have a lot of great listeners and they know they, they, they give us recommendations. They give us topics to talk about. They ask us questions. Uh, we got Frank in Sacramento. Dave gave us a book recommendation. So this is cool. No, he's, he's talking mad, mad shit about me. Is he? Oh, well, I haven't read it yet, but he says, Ryan, Dave is wrong. Oh, I like this right away. Dave is wrong. Uh, team of rivals is about way more than the passage of the 13th amendment. The movie quote, Lincoln is about that team of rivals covers Lincoln's whole life and does a deep dive into the lives of uh, the four rivals Lincoln brought into his cabinet after he was elected. Another great book is Truman uh, by David McCallum. Yep. No, he's right. Um, he's right. And I knew it as I was saying it that I was wrong, but I didn't actually want to correct myself. So I just moved on. But yeah, so, I was. So Lincoln is based on Team of Rivals. Lincoln is about the passage of the 13th Amendment. That's just a small part of Team of Rivals, which is about, you know, the four contenders for the presidency um, who all ended up in uh uh, Lincoln cabinet, Lincoln and, um, Chase Seward and Bates, I want to say, but anyway, it's really good. You should read it. That's okay. the main upshot. So those, so those, the team of rivals 
it's interesting. It seems, I mean, obviously I don't know everything about the political you know, process back then, but to have like Johnson as your vice president, like someone that like really had way different views than you. I mean, cause you, you know, they're not they're It's not like you have a running mate like then, like you had people were, you know, they were chosen or whatever. So it's, it's interesting to see where you would have like a president or vice president be that different back then. Yeah. Um, that was kind of an accommodation, a very political decision. He was not, when they're talking about a team of rivals, he's probably not included in that. Group. Oh, okay. Just um, the cabinet people. No, yeah. He basically there were Seward was really interesting. So he's the one who ended up, I would think, Secretary of State. Um, he was like thought to be like, oh, he's an up and comer. He should win the presidency. And then he lost. And he could have been really bitter about it, but he ended up being like a really loyal um person for Lincoln. Um, but that was basically all these contenders who wanted the Republican nomination almost uniformly kind of looked down on Lincoln before he entered the office and kind of thought of him as a country bumpkin. And it's, you know, a story about their growing respect for each other, all that kind of stuff. Um, but Johnson wasn't really in that. He was kind of thrown in, um, you know, as the second vice president for Lincoln um, as kind of a political accommodation for you know, the end of the war, um, trying to make nice with the South. And it was a real miscalculation. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks Frank, uh, for that. And for correcting Dave, it's yeah. hard to correct Dave cause he's wrong so much, but you know, yeah, no. How do you pick just one thing? One at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, questions from the bullet farm. This is from, Ooh. um, Tor. Uh, hello, Ryan and Dave. I'll skip the kudos as I'm right in the middle of installing the combo deep fat fryer smart toilet in my fallout shelter. Uh, gentlemen, as the upcoming football season and the world hurl toward the cliff, I wanted to submit perhaps the only query that really matters. How would you guys rank the films in the Mad Max franchise? Wow. All right. Mad Max, 1979. The Road Warrior, 1981. Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome in 1985. And Mad Max Fury Road in 2015. Man, okay, so I've, I've seen all of these, um, but I haven't seen the Mad Max ones in quite a while. My gut would be probably Road Warrior would be my favorite. Just, but I, I, I'm not doing this just because I don't remember. I would probably say just if I had to go back and watch them again, my guess would be I'd like the Road Warrior the best. Um, Thunderdome was like mid '80s, sort of like it had that. Uh, it had you that eighty Tina Turner. Yeah, yeah, there was like there was like Return of the Jedi kind of. There was like that feel to it where there was, you know, Tina Turner and stuff. And uh, I, I, that probably would that might have been my least favorite. And I would say probably Mad Max, the original second, and Fury Road wasn't bad. Um, from what I remember, I think I watched it on the plane or something. So I'd go Road Warrior, Mad Max, Fury Road, and Thunderdome. What, what about you? I'd probably go Road Warrior, um, Fury Road. Thunderdome and then Mad Max. Oh, it's a, so I might remember the original one incorrectly. So that's that's probably on me. It's fine. Um, it was, I I want to say a little slow. That was the ones with the cops, right? So that was. Yeah, it was just a little so, slow. Okay, so there was like his cop friends get like, and they're it's sort of like the beginning of the apocalypse, right? Like. Yeah, like things cop, are going bad, and then they go worse. Yeah, he it's. It's like Breaking Bad. Oh, you know what? I could drop that down more. That's that makes sense. Now that I remember what it was. But the Road Warrior was when he's full on. Yeah, yeah, he's he's full on Mad Max. At yeah, that point. that's um, kind of like yeah, okay. Yeah, Road Warrior I think is the best. Fury Road is really cool. Um, Thunderdome was fine, and uh, Mad Max is just a little bit slow. I like them all though. 
I'd watch them all right now. Um, all right. And then uh, just in case it's a slow mail week, a second question. Which are the best dystopian future film franchises? Caveat, the film series must have at least three installments, so no Blade Runner, no Escape from New York, L.A., also no TV and no zombie film franchises because those feel like a category a few feel like a category all their own. A few of the options: Mad Max, four movies; The Matrix, three movies; Planet of the Apes, the original series, five movies; Planet of the Apes, the new series, three movies; Hunger Games, four movies; Maze Runner, three movies; The Purge, three movies; RoboCop, three movies; Terminator, six movies; Divergent, three movies. Has anybody seen all three of these? And Death Race. Four films. I don't. I have not seen. I've seen of those. any of those. Okay. Um, wow. All right. Some Mad Max. We there. just said we liked them all, right? Yeah, Mad Max. I think would be up there. There's originality. There's you know like the just the futuristic uh, apocalyptic uh, you know fuel being so important. Like that's the, there's some cool stuff there. So they would be they would be one of my favorites. Uh, the Matrix, just for the original, is up there. Um, the yes. next two are like almost um, opaque, like just impossible to really get into. But the first one's really good. The uh, Matrix, yeah, no, I love that, that. Those were great. I mean, I would have Terminator high, uh, just based on like Terminator Two alone. Um, I mean, both one and two were great, but then you know, somebody three, other ones were... three was fine. That was like the one with Arnold um, still, and then they. Was that the female one? Or was it was that... the one where they hadn't actually prevented Judgment Day, and then we watched Judgment Day at the very end, like nukes going off, and they were like in a bomb shelter. Oh yeah, they sent them. They had to yeah. like go to that shelter. It was, yeah. What they thought they were going to like stop it, but they were really just getting sent yeah. to the shelter. To and it was the it. female Terminator. Um, anyway, that, she was that, hot, one, was, that one was yeah. fine. That was fine. Uh, the rest of them have been kind of garbage. Um, but yeah, Terminator's really good. The first two are just excellent. Um, Planet of the Apes, the original series. I want to say boring. Boring? Yeah, they're old. I don't re- I mean, I think I saw some of them, but I, I can't believe I didn't know there was five of them. Holy cow. Five I like of the them new, from, I like the new series more. I've seen a little bit of that. Not all of them, but I've seen some of it. Um, but the, there was five movies from 1968 to 72. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, dude. It was like every year. Like yeah, holy cow. So much, man. So much apes. Um, I like I, the I like the new one better. The new three were yeah. were, were pretty good. Um Hunger Games, uh the first two were good. Yeah, at the, the end I didn't like the last couple. Like Well, or, the books the books did the same thing. Like the first one and two were, were good and then the last one was trash. Yeah. Um so I, the, I think And I were, think the third one went away from the book a lot too, if I remember correctly, but I think I blocked out most of the most of the second two movies. The first two were good though. Like the concept is cool. I mean, it was it is. from it's a ne- Japanese yeah. thing, but it was cool. Um, Maze Runner, haven't seen. Haven't seen. The Purge is interesting. I think I've seen um, the first one. I've seen them all. Um, the first one is the worst one. Um, really? Okay. Yeah. No, the other ones are good. And it isn't this four movies? I could have sworn the Port Purge stuff was four movies now. I don't know. I don't know. Um, it's actually legitimately good. Um, I like them a lot. They're uh, they are they're actually doing like kind of what you want to do in this stuff, which is some like social commentary. Um, so with a lot of you know splatter gore and that short, sort of stuff, which is fun. Um, okay, then we've got RoboCop. 
I remember I, one I had, of them. I had forgotten that there were more than one RoboCop. Yeah. I, I mean, I, RoboCop the original is a timeless dystopian classic. Um, but I'd forgotten there were others. I didn't even, yeah, I might have seen them, but I don't remember. Divergent and Death Rates, I haven't seen. Yeah, me neither. So, I, All I mean, right, I so if, I, if I'm ranking these, I'm going Terminator um, first. Then I'll probably go. Mad Max Matrix. I, I, I'm fine with that. Yeah, okay. All right. It says, thanks for everything, Tor, eventually in North Arizona Bay, California. Thanks, Tor. Um, ooh, our good friend Larry, Santa Barbara Larry, has quite a lot of words on the page here. Uh, your good friend Santa Barbara Larry here again. Downer Dave, you're killing me here. During your last show, you said that due to COVID-19, Pac-12 football players playing against one another are far more likely to die than if they do not play. Please tell me you were drinking. I'm I'm assuming he was. I was I was I was not drinking. Really? I No. What are the odds that you weren't drinking? That's yeah, I know that's strange. weird. That's a strange. Uh, yeah, crazy. Both players would have been subject to an, an insane amount of COVID-19 testing. It would be the safest place to be. Now, testing doesn't make you immune. It's just no, 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 no. That just tests you. That yeah. just determines whether or not you have it. Yeah. Which, like, I got tested, which now I'm, I guess I'm immune, so I can go out and do whatever I want, right? Right. I didn't I didn't realize. that. That's the one thing. If, you like, if you've ever shared anything like that on social media, you know it's going to happen. Like, you test, like, hey, I tested negative. Yay. And then there's always going to be people who are like, doesn't mean anything. You you could have got it the day after the second after you took the test. And it's only it's, I'm like, yes, I, I know. Like I, I'm I, I'm not saying, hey, I'm immune. I'm saying I took a test and it was negative. I'm I'm sorry you're going to be, you know, down or Dave here about whatever I say, but there's that's what bugs me the most about this. Is the no, people no, no, the, 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 the whole dumb thing is just an internet argument. Every time it's just people who are like, oh, well, that doesn't mean anything because it doesn't um, conform to my priors. And yeah. it's like, yeah, it doesn't mean everything, but it means like as of whatever, a day ago, you didn't have it. And in those 24 hours, unless you got it, you probably still don't have it. Yeah. So that's good news. And I'm just, you know, I if I feel like I'm taking tests away from people that really need, I just, because I deliver those things, I just want to take a test every no, once no. in a while. You, you know? are one of the people who should be doing that. And in fact, more people should be doing that. We should have more testing capacity. It's not your job to decide who gets tested and who doesn't. It should be, you know, our administrative apparatus's job to provide tests so that people can get them when they need them. If yeah. you're going to be delivering meals to old folks, you need to get a test. You did the responsible thing. Um, okay. So, no, you shouldn't feel bad. I got an argument with some dude on Twitter about masks or whatever. It's like, I'm no expert. Wearing oh, my masks God. Seems uh, to make sense. It's, it's just. He was telling me, I like, wish people Wisconsin just, doesn't wear masks. And look, oh my God, their numbers I, I are better. I saw the comments and I was going to jump in. But I'm like, I don't know if Ryan knows this guy. And I don't want to just. I don't apart. know him. And but I it's just, just wanna... it's, it's all so stupid. Like, whatever you think about, like, micron level of disease and all this kind of stuff and whether it gets in through the fabrics of your mask or whatever, just, like, Occam's razor this thing. Does putting a solid thing in front of your mouth maybe keep some stuff out of it? <laughs> that's that's all I think. I'm like, that makes sense to me. Okay. Yeah, that's <laughs> all it is. And does it maybe keep stuff from coming out of your mouth onto other people's faces? Does it? 
Probably. So. Yeah. Probably a little. Does it have to be 100% effective for you to do it? To put a friggin' mask on? There's like almost, it's one of these, like, it's a perfect, like, it's a perfect test for whether you are capable of living in a society. It's like the, the shopping cart test. You know, oh, yeah. if you don't put that back in a cart, like that's no, you're not, there's no obligation to do that. There's no, um, nobody's going to like fine you for not putting your cart back in the thing. But if you don't do that, uh, it means you're not a functioning member of society. Well, a mask <laughs> is absolutely no harm to 99.9999% of people. Even asthma isn't like a contraindicator for wearing a mask. Um, so if you're not willing to do that, where this thing is almost no harm to you and almost certainly provides some benefit. I'm not saying it's 100% effective. I'm not applying a percentage to it. It could be 1%. doesn't matter. But it's absolutely no harm to you. And you're like, no, I'm not doing it. And in fact, you're an idiot for wearing it. You are not a functioning member of society. You you have like something akin to societal sociopathy. And you should stop. You should think about what you're doing and just wear a stupid mask. Yeah. Hundred percent. All right. Sorry, we got in the tangent in the middle of uh, middle of that question. He says, uh, "Players living at home or on campus, but not playing, are going to self isolate like an eighty year old with lung disease." Are you kidding me? Uh, and they would not be subject to anything remotely close to the monitoring and testing if they play. I mean, I I get the point there that if you're on campus, like you you're going to be tested more, which is not immune, but you're you know and you're going to be in a more probably more controlled environment. But you're also a college kid, so you're probably going to go out and do dumb stuff, you know. So I, I it's not like you're in a I'm, bubble. I'm, I'm going back to my main point from that, and I, I say I say a lot of things, and I don't often remember all of them. But I'm trying to remember back to last week. I think my main point was when you increase the amount that these guys are interacting with each other, and then going back home and all that kind of stuff, you're increasing a vector for illness. Again, it's not necessarily about whether these guys themselves are going to get seriously ill, it's about are they going to spread it to other people? Because, I mean, you're, you're suddenly so if you're having a football season, you're combining these hundred plus vectors of potential illness together repeatedly several times over the course of an individual week and then dispersing them over and over and over again throughout the year. Um you want to avoid doing that as much as possible in any kind of public health crisis, especially one with a respiratory illness, right? Right. It's again, we're, we're going back to Occam's razor stuff here. So whether it will be individually safer for them to be on campus or not is, I, I don't want to say irrelevant, um, but it's less relevant than the fact that they'll be calling, they'll be causing more public health issues if they're consistently combining into a big group and then dispersing, consistently yeah. combining into a big group and then dispersing, and also doing a high respiratory activity like playing football or practicing football. So I think all of that is the public health reason to do it. And then if I'm weighing in two hands, whether it's better for them personally to be stuck at home doing normal college kid stuff or consistently having to go to football practice and interacting with 100 people, even if they're getting tested more, um, even if there's some isolation practice involved, but again, speaking of college students, they're not just going to interact with their teammates. I don't know. I would think mandatory group activities would be a negative for anybody yeah. at this point. Yeah. Well, he says, let's review the associative law of COVID-19 and football. Ryan, try to keep Dave on point. Football equals a massive amount of money. 
That's true. Massive amount of money requires minimal COVID-19 player, coach, support, staff deaths. Uh, uh, minimal COVID-19 deaths require a massive amount of monitor testing. So football equals less COVID-19 player, coach, support, staff deaths. No Ooh, football. We're missing, we're missing a step there. Well, he says no football means more COVID-19, less testing, monitoring, and more COVID-19 deaths. Where, what, 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 where step is he missing? Okay, so he's got football equals a massive amount of money, right? Yeah. So that should be football implies a massive amount of money. So if football, then you get a massive amount of money. Massive amount of money requires minimal COVID-19 deaths. But the if there is, if there are, so where is the missing step here? Um if you've made a massive amount of money off of football, it will have required minimal deaths, right? So right. if minimal deaths, massive amount of money, if minimum man if 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 minimal deaths, football, and then if football, massive amount of money. Right. So minimal deaths require a massive amount of monitoring testing. So football equals less deaths. Yeah. Yeah, we're missing some logic there. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Well, anyway, I, you know, we didn't want to talk about COVID much more and we got math involved. So that's a little too complicated for me right now with in my brain at this point. He says, Dave, you're proving my main man, Winston Churchill, right again. You ask a brave guy for advice on life, on a life and death situation, and you don't get factual info. You get the sum of their fears. If you guys are running up against your standard 10 hour show time, feel free to cut it off here. But if you need filler, oh God, do we need filler? Sure, we need filler. Okay, dear my, fe- dear my fearful friend, you also said your estimate of the fatality rate agreed with mine, but you said you assumed 10% of players contracted the virus. I assumed 100%. So his data is 100% of the players catch COVID-19, 0.8% wind up in the hospital, 4.8% of those die, and that ends up being 0.038% of all players will die from COVID-19. And this is unrealistically conservative. It assumes no asymptomatic and none have antibodies. So the Pac-12 and uh, not, so the Pac-12 has 90 times 12 or 1,080 football players. My data suggests in a worst case, 0.42 of a player, less than that. That's less than a half. Yes, we we get that. We'll die of COVID-19. Compare that to 0.34 from accidental deaths, 0.16 from suicide, and 0.19 from firearms. So sum up fewer Pac-12 players, uh, football players, will die from COVID-19 if they play football than if they do not. And the probability of all college football players dying from COVID-19 is not zero, but it is very small. Keep up the great and frequently exasperating work. And to use one of Ben Franklin's salutations, with great esteem and regard, I am, dear sir, your most obedient and humble servant, Santa Barbara Larry. That's a mouthful. Uh, I got nothing, man. <laughs> I'm the one to read all that stuff. <laughs> you can do that. You're like, I don't to, even I don't even know where outrage. he's drawing like the point eight percent of what? Like this cohort, this age group wind up in the hospital. I have no yeah. idea what he's Give us some citations next time if you're going to do this. Anyway, the the main logical point that was screwed up there was that football doesn't equal a massive amount of money. It leads to a massive amount of money. So if football, then money. Then the other piece is it's if 
there are minimal COVID deaths, it means that there's monitoring testing, but there's no linkage between if football, then fewer staff deaths. Like that's this is this is this is a logical fallacy because um you're you're basically equating things that aren't equal. Football does not equal amount of money. Football implies a large amount of money that's gonna be made. Yeah. If it happens. Anyway. Hifa Day. Oh, Are we ready for Hifa Day? Yeah, I think so. Right, I'm gonna Google this. Or do you wanna Google it? I yeah, I did. So it's um Hold on, let me back up and get it again. So it's uh, Paraprodoskian or Paraprosdokian. Paraprosdokian. So it's a figure of speech in which the latter part of a sentence, phrase, or larger discourse is surprisingly or unexpected in a way that causes the reader to listen or, or causes the reader or listener to reframe or reinterpret the first part. It's frequently used for humor, humorous or dramatic effect. Uh, sometimes producing an anticlimax. So if you, there's a few list of, oh, I'm sorry, there's a list of one here. So where there is a will, I want to be in it. Mm. Okay. Uh, the last thing I want to do is hurt you, but it's still on my list. Okay. I like that. Since light travels faster than sound, some people appear bright until you hear them speak. Mm. So there's some examples. That's some good stuff. Yeah. All right, let's talk about a certain Pac-12 South team that had an ultimately disappointing 2019 campaign but showed some promising things for next season. They inexplicably got beaten by a non-Power 5 team, and everyone was surprised their embattled head coach kept his job. After an early injury to their starting QB, they had to play a true freshman in their first conference game, which he won in surprising fashion and continued to look pretty good in subsequent games. They lost their most productive offensive skill player, but bring back everybody else. And while they lost a couple of pieces on the offensive line, several injuries during 2019 means that they have at least a six-man rotation of experienced linemen. Their defensive personnel also brings back almost everybody on the two-deep, and the handful of departures aren't concentrated in any one unit. They fired and replaced their long-time underperforming DC, as well as their entire defensive staff, including getting a prized cornerbacks coach from a Pac-12 rival. Given the uncertainty at the other Pac-12 schools, uh, Utah is replacing the entire roster, ASU replacing both coordinators and the entire offense except the quarterback, UCLA is a dumpster fire, etc., you'd expect to put this team either number one or number two in the division, wouldn't you? So why no offseason love for the Arizona Wildcats? Hold on, hold on. Let me... Uh... I think this is good from Hitler Day. Yeah, this is this is a good email from Hithliday. This is like, and you know, he's been pretty bad lately. So this is, I'm really happy with him. This is this he's bringing it this time. Yeah, no, we looked up some funny phrases, and now we read a good email. <laughs> no, it is it is really good because obviously you're thinking this is USC, and apparently it's the Arizona Wildcats. Pretty exciting. Yeah. Um, I'm not talking about them as being good because they were very bad last year, and I don't think they're going to get a whole lot better. I was not as impressed with um, our man Grant Gunnell as his stats would indicate. Just kind of watching him, I didn't get, you know, I, 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 he didn't really pass the eyeball test for me a ton. Um, certainly, I think more effective than Khalil Tate in that offense, though. So, you know, we'll see. Um, but they just were so bad last year and the defense was so bad. Um, will experience help? Yeah, sure. Um, will returning a bunch of guys help? Yeah. But you know, how much is it going to be enough that they're actually contending? 
I don't know. They were really bad last year. Yeah. Um, they were probably, I think you make an argument, they were the worst team in the Pac-12. That's true. Uh, they were pretty bad. And I, I think Hitler Day does, like, sometimes he's looking at charts and he's reading, you know, you're like, well, they bring back this amount of, of these guys. And I like, think well, he sometimes devil, those he, guys stink. You know? He devils ad- advocates, too. I don't know if he's uh, if he's if he's fully on the square here. You know? Yeah, I, I don't I don't think if you put like if he put his picks out tomorrow, he'd have Arizona as the number two team in the conference. I don't think he would do that. No. So, um, but it was great. And and what was it? Para Presdokia? What was the heck? Para Prosdokian? Is that what yep. the phrase that's was? That's great. We now um, know. Some. I mean, it was like a, that. I mean, sometimes it doesn't really. You don't get the. You know, it's some Latin thing. We don't really. See the the it's not an obvious connection to whatever he was writing, but this one's great because you're just reading the whole thing. And it's like, obviously, this is USC, and it's it, it's Arizona. You know, could he be Arizona as well. It. it was beautiful. He did a great job. Yeah, I thought that great was great email. Uh, more of that. More of that. Hitler He brought. Yeah, I mean, that probably took him a while to come up with. So I that's why I wanted to give him props. Give him the the applause. Like that was uh, that was good. We're gonna call him out when he has a bad one. We got to give him the good one too. Uh, there's a funny request for you, David, in this email. Um. I mean, someone wants to interview you. It's from uh, oh, Adam man. from the Quack the Quack Twelve podcast. This so is going to require me responding to an email. You have to respond to the email, and he even put you have to because he puts his favorite Disney princess in the email. So he's obviously a listener to the show. So you got you got to go do it. Like don't don't David Woods this. Like actually write the guy back and like go on his show. I'm responding right now. That's very David Woods. Like if you didn't respond right now. Um, so I'm going, so Adam, I, you're, you can thank me because if you wouldn't have responded right now, there was no way you would have responded. Yep. Is that there you fair? go. I just did it. All it's right. Done. Cool. All right. We got one last one, Alex in, uh, Santa Barbara, I believe that SB endless off season content. Yeah. This could be an endless off season. Hello, David Ryan. It's Alex from SB with college football looking more and more unlikely in 2020. And new presidential content starting to wane. I had an idea on how you could waste even more time providing five-star hashtag content. Uh, Brant Steele, link included below, uh, allows you to simulate fake games of uh, reality shows like Survivor and Big Brother using a cast of any real or make-believe individuals you want. Other podcasts have been simulating and then uh, providing live commentary on these inane mock seasons. Huh. So you can, so you like make up, like you say, Arizona, Arizona State, you know, you t- you put all those in there and I guess you can like simulate a season. Is that what it is? Have you heard of this? I guess. No, I haven't heard no. of it. Okay. Uh, Dave wasn't paying attention. Want to finally prove which Pac-12 mascot is best? There's a branch deal for that. Want to figure out which Pac-12 coach would win in a back alley fight? There's a Brant Steele for that. Uh, want to decide? I've never even heard of this. Want to decide? I've which, never heard of this. This yeah, is weird. I'm like on the website now, and I'm like, what the hell is this? Yeah. Uh, want to decide which Chip Kelly non-conference win was the best? Well, actually, there's no Brant Steele for that, as there are no players. Want to decide which USC president whips the most ass? There's a Brant Steele for that. If you guys ever get desperate, there's always a way to sink even lower and he gives the link we will have to check that out alex um i've never heard of this is it like a voting i don't get it like i'm looking at it right now and i still don't understand so it says allows you to fake allows you to simulate fake games of reality shows 
like for Survivor Big Brother, using a cast of any real or make-believe individuals you want. So I, I don't know how it would get the date. Like if it's, you know, if you're putting, if you're making a reality show, you don't know which contestant is smarter or more athletic. Like I, I don't know how this would work. So we would, if you pick the, you know, all the mascots in the Pac-12, does it, is a simulation they just 50% of everything? Or like, how do they, do they know that, you know, a, a beaver might have a harder time against a bear? I, I don't know. I got nothing. Like no idea. Like I don't. Alex, I don't tell, even give I don't, us a little I'm bit just, more how this works because we're probably not going to spend the time. Uh, well, and I'm looking at the website and it's like opaque to me. Like I'm not getting anything from this website, mm. and it's impossible to navigate. Like, how do you get back to the homepage? I don't know, man. But it's I mean, he made, like a Brant Steele. It sounds like this thing. Like it's uh, it's like something. I I, I would have seen this on. Wouldn't I've seen this on Twitter? I don't. I know. guess, man. I don't I know. If, can I tweet anymore? I don't know if I can tweet. But I think you're back. You're probably back, right? Uh, I don't know. Let's see. Biggins tweeted. He's not. Biggins isn't verified? How is this possible? You're seeing all these people that uh, are. I'm seeing more people that aren't verified on my timeline. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm back. I tweeted from my instant, like my uh, like uscfootball.com account, like the Peristyle. And said, I was at the beach and now re- uh, recording a podcast, so I have no reason to tweet. But now that I can't, I'm going crazy. And you can retweet. So I retweeted that. But um, you can't tweet out yourself. So weird. I don't know. Twitter problems. But yeah, so that the whole point of this would be, if this was a thing, I would have probably seen it on Twitter a lot, right? Like people brant stealing this a whole bunch of This has got to be stuff. some niche thing. It's got to be. Yeah. So maybe like, I think if, Alex if cool, is pulling us into something that's on the deep, like dark ooh. internet. So like the early MySpace user kind of thing. Yeah. Like we, you know, well, ooh. this website looks like it was built like fifteen years ago. Really? I mean, are you on it? No, I haven't gone on it. Yet. You, you were like having troubles. I'm like, I'm not going to bother with the thing. Um, but it, Alex, let us know uh, how you like how this works. If you want to give us some background or something, is it old? Is it new? Is it is borrowed? Is it blue? Yeah. Uh, is it wedding season? I don't know. Uh, so, yeah, that'd be cool. Like, we could do some content with that. Um, I mean, is it a voting thing? Do we put it out there and let people vote? Um, so you go, okay, here's, you got the Bruin Bear and you got the Oregon Duck. Like, who, you know, who's going to win? And then we, everyone votes. Okay, or, so I just did the Hunger Games one and it's like, Here's the thing. Like, I get what it's doing. Like, it's basically like a simulation of these um, uh, reality shows or these situations. So it's like the culling from Hunger Games followed by then the bloodbath followed by, like, who ends up winning. But the thing is, and this is, I think, the key point for me is what's the point of doing this? Yeah. Like, what's the point? I don't know. Because it's just a simulation. You're not participating in any real way. You're just okay, clicking so a button. Okay, so it's not voting. No, you're just, par- you're, just, you're just clicking next, basically. But then is it – if it's a simulation, there's got to be, like, parameters, in, right? Like, there's data involved. Like, I'm guessing it's random. Yeah. So then it's just, like, flipping a coin for everything. Like, that doesn't – yeah. That's not very exciting. That doesn't do a whole lot for us, no. No. 
Um, if there was a way we could put in the data, like, okay, well, a duck, here's all the strengths of a duck. Here's all the strengths of a, um, a Bruin bear. Here's the strength of a, a ute that had a bow or whatever it is. I mean, I don't know. Like, and you could like simulate that way. Maybe that would yeah, be Yeah, you're fun, making but... like a simple, like early nineties, like RPG then. And yeah. You know, that's fine. Great. We'll see if we, uh, if we get Look, the call, we're going to get there. Like by early October, we will be building our own, um, simple RPG <laughs> to simulate a football season. Um, but we're not there yet. Yeah. I used to write like programs in like basic way back in the day, like in our school, you know, like, yeah, two duos adventure kind of stuff or a different simulate. Yeah. So I used to do that. So we could, well, I'm sure there's way better tools. Now you can do stuff with online. You can whip stuff up pretty quickly. So I bet you we could do that. Oh yeah. We can do it. We have the tools. We have the technology. All the kids, the smart kids that listen to our show, they would, they could point us in the right direction. We, you know, once we get like, uh, the word like that the season's canceled or delayed or whatever, we should probably have another zoom call. Cause that was kind of fun. Yeah. I mean, honestly, we could probably do it now cause the season's going to be canceled, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was cool. Like I'm not doing as many zoom calls as I was like, I'm cause I don't, I don't really need them for work. Cause it's not like I'm in an office that I'm not in. I mean, I'm just doing my regular work. Right. I'm doing and like you're not workouts. social distancing from your friends anymore. So no, I don't listen to any of that. So, um, no, I do. Uh, look, I am do. I shaming you? I'm not shaming you a little bit. Uh, yeah, I like to get out to the beach. I like to, I, I'm outside. I'm doing stuff outside. I feel pretty good, but I, I'm doing like workouts on zoom. Cause I didn't want to go to the gyms cause that's inside. And now the gyms are closed anyway, but I continue to do zoom workouts, but I haven't, we were doing like social hours and things and it just kind of stopped doing that. I don't know if you're doing those anymore, but, it would be fun to do one with the with the pot the POC listeners. Yeah, we should do another. That'd be fun. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, uh, that's all we got. That's the man, David Woods. I want to see. Like, hopefully, I can see you in person at some point. How glorious is the beard right now? Is it? Is it? Oh a good... man, it is. It's to the point where I almost feel the need to do something about it. Really? Yeah. It's it's too big. Um, you, you had your opportunity when the salons were open, and now they're closed again. I mean, I would just do it myself. Okay. I'm not, I even, I cut my own hair now. Like I'm not, I'm not messing around with that. Holy cow. Apparently, even when the salons were open, they weren't allowed to touch your face. So they couldn't have shaved you anyway. They could cut your hair, uh, but they couldn't cut your face. Oh, uh, you know what? This, and this is uh, something I saw in the LA times. And I want to get your thoughts on it real quick before we go. Sure. There was a story. Two hairdressers were tested positive for COVID-19. They got the rota. They found out they had seen between the two of them, 139 clients since they, you know, at, you know, when they knew that they were positive, when they got it, uh, 139 clients they saw to between them and none of the clients tested positive because they all wore masks and everything. Is that a positive sign that even with two COVID-19 positive stylists, that were cutting a whole bunch of people's hair over a hundred people's hair. None of the people that they cut their hair got the, the virus. That's great. I think it speaks to, um, the efficacy of masks. Going I should back have, to our, our, I should have tweeted that to the guy. Oh, no, that's what it was. I think I retweeted that and said, that's good. Right. Um, maybe ha hair salon should stay open. That's how this started. Yeah. And then, and then the guy's like, masks don't work. I'm like, well, that's seems like they do. Cause how did none of their clients get 
sick. I don't know. It seems like they would work. Yeah, certainly a data point in favor of masks, which you don't need any data to be in favor of masks. Again, (laughs) you put a barrier in front of your face, less of your face stuff is going to get on other things. How is the mask with a, a raggly beard? Awful. Is raggly a word? Horrible experience. <laughs> I wear a neck gaiter, like one of those things that go on over oh, your head and do that yeah. whole thing because the mask thing, like I feel like it's projected too far in front of my mouth. Um, the gaiter gets tighter. Um, but yeah, it's not good. Like my face gets really hot, um, which is another reason like I just I, I might have to do it. Like not like go the whole way, but just mow it. Like get it just down to like just above stubble again. Gotcha. It's so bad. It's so hot. It's so hot. Oh. And I'd love to keep it. It's glorious, but no way. Like my face just gets bushy. It doesn't get long. Like my hair is like it's so scraggly and like it hurts when things are pressing on it. And so you wear a mask and it's just like this is uncomfortable. This yeah. sucks. So I bought, I bought one of those gators, uh, usually just for hiking, because like if you're hiking, you don't want it over your face. But if you walk by someone just to be courteous, you can kind of pick it up and you know so you can kind of pull it up quick and then drop it again um you're you're walking by yourself it doesn't really matter but you know right. if, if you walk by somebody but i I, sh- I don't know maybe i should use them more but they're kind of tight like they they go over your head and so you kind of just keep them in your neck right and then you pull it up when you yeah. need to yeah. yeah yeah i just it was a little bit uh felt more secure than the mask for me yeah it's just a lot of beard to go over <laughs> it's a glorious beard well i can't wait to see it buddy i'm glad yeah, you're in back. a year and a half you'll 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 get it and it's all its glory you're back on the west coast Woo-hoo! Woo! so we could have just stopped the show right in the beginning just saying that that was it so i'm i'm curious i think we're gonna get some tweets about that and some reddit posts so maybe they're gonna be happy that you're back yeah um i'm happy that you're back at least you know i'm, t- I'm tired that's 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 my driving 36 hours in three days is not easy not fun with two kids yeah. yeah, it's great. It was great. It was a fun experience. Um, never again. Only, yeah, no, no, never again. And oh. if you're driving, you're probably not going to be able to drink as much, right? You know, like, <laughs> well, <laughs> to get through the day. <laughs> I mean, it's all about, you know, all things in moderation, right? Right. Including <laughs> drinking and driving. I only drunk, I was only drinking driving on. Uh, 18 of the 36 hours. <laughs> I, I only averaged a beer an hour. Like, that's just maintaining sobriety at that level. Oh, that's funny. No, we don't encourage the drinking and driving, but it's, no, please that's one of those situations drive. where, like, dri- driving for 36 hours with two kids in a car, two small kids, you, you know, that would be like, it'd be good to drink at this time. Oh, Obviously, I mean, drink, by but. far, like, my kids were champions. Oh, by good. far the person in the pissiest mood by the end of that was me. <laughs> like I was an absolute heinous father by the end of that trip. And I, like the thing about parenthood is you feel nothing but self-recrimination at all times. Like I think I've talked about this before, but it's just yeah. nothing but just absolute contempt for yourself and all of your skills. And that's just what I felt for every second after that car ride. Cause I was just like, I, I was, I was the worst person in that car, like by far. Nice. I just well, wanted to be so far out of that car. Kudos to your kids. Hopefully they grow up to be Reagan fans. Corner. Reagan fans for sure. Hopefully they uh, they do. But uh, all right. We'll wrap it up. That's David Woods. Back in L.A., everybody. Back in L.A. Yes. And I'm Ryan Abraham. We are the Podcast of Champions. Thanks for tuning in. 
and we will talk to you next time. Bye. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the show? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.